This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The feeder goes off, there's nothing there. I think, gosh, I'm getting skunked. Because yeah. the day before, there was probably eight or ten deer out there. Right. So this, this is the next day, nothing. And so I look up about 8 o'clock and there's three deer out there. And um, they're all bucks. Oh, you got her, dude. She's down. Let's go. Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoked him. One with nature and if you're a believer, one with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy. You are in trouble. All Obsession Podcast. Howdy, folks. My name is Sam. I'm your Fall Obsession Podcast host for this week's episode. Our podcast is driven by Ridge Rock Hunt Company, and I'll talk more about them uh, here later at the conclusion of our episode. I am sitting in deer camp on New Year's Eve once again with my dad, Mark. Welcome back, Dad. Thank you, son. Welcome, Fall Obsession Nation, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We're happy to be entering 2023 now and uh, got some cool stuff in the works at Fall Obsession, as we always do, so I'm looking forward to some of that stuff rolling out. But um, for right now, we are back out here on Texas Dirt. As if you guys are returning listeners, I'm sure that you've heard plenty of podcasts at this point from Deer Camp this year, this being another one and quite possibly the last one for this year but um, back out here for the last two days of general season when I could hopefully film my remaining mature buck tag so fingers crossed we can get that done in the morning Um, right now I got a target buck in mind and he's got a currently a pattern here this week of showing up most of the time in the mornings pretty early on so hopefully we make quick work of it tomorrow but um, and if you guys are hearing a explosions in the background background. that's uh that's because it is new year's eve we are out here in the wilderness and every uh redneck joe blow and his dog (laughs) around us are shooting off 
shoot off fireworks. So we Bottle got rockets and everything else. Yeah, we got that going for us. But, um, Dad, you've done a lot more hunting than I have this year, um, and you were able earlier when, of course, on a time when I was not out here with you, you were able to fill your buck tag. That's so, right. tell us a little bit about um, you putting down a a buck on Texas dirt. Okay. Um, early, th- I was at early this week, and interestingly enough, we were talking about this on the way out here today, son, that uh, I killed all my deer when you weren't here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you and I hunt, and then you'd go back to work, and for the new, new listeners, I am self-employed and, and have my own business, and where I work hard so I can have time off in the, in the deer season and the, in the holidays off. Right. And, um, and with the economy like it was, the inflation, it kind of, everything kind of tanked. And about mid-November, they just dropped off except for people who were um, shutting down their irrigation systems, et cetera. So, yeah. uh, so I spent a lot, I, I hunted more than I ever hunted before and, uh, until I was, when I was a single guy. Yeah. It's been that long. It's been almost 30 years. So, but I hunted hard and hunted early this week. And I, I the day before I, I was out here for a couple of days. And the, the first day I was out here, I, early morning, there was all these deer out in, in, in the feeder. And I saw, I finally caught on a big buck as he's walking away. And and where I hunt, my, my the stand is, uh, there's a lot of undulations in the, in the ground. So it's up and down and a lot of gorges and I was trying to get it. He's walking away at a good pace, and I couldn't. I couldn't get it, get it up on him and missed my shot. I tried to pull the trigger, but I missed my shot. I saw him run away. And then next morning, I'm hunting my stand. Uh, feeder goes off. There's nothing there. I think, gosh, I'm getting skunked because yeah. the day before there was probably eight or ten deer out there. Right. So this this is the next day, nothing. And so I look up about eight o'clock, and there's three deer out there, and um, they're all bucks. One larger than the other. The others are smaller. So I'm trying to figure out the racks because in Texas there's an, you can shoot a mature buck, but it could be illegal. So I'm trying to get my mature buck, which has to have a 13 inch inside spread. Yeah. But um, anyway, um, came around, came around. I got he got me you know, got broadside, and I shot shot him in the neck, and he ran 20 feet and dropped. So perfect yeah so it was you know it was a night it was a decent buck and you know it measured more than 13 in the inside spread so yeah and the other two little ones just ran off and wait for another day for them yeah another day another year for those little ones but yeah that's uh we were talking about that on the way over how you've killed all your deer when i haven't been here and then coincidentally i i also brought up i don't think i've hunted this year on a day or a morning evening whatever the case where it got below 38 40 degrees so and, and here we are on new year's eve and it's 70 degrees today i know 70 degrees going into the stand this evening so i, I don't it's just that's been my year i all, every time i come out here it's warm and as soon as i go home it turns cold and that's when you come out here and hunt and you kill deer <laughs> so there must be something to that <laughs> but no it's uh but tomorrow morning could be your morning to you know Take yeah, that, take that buck. We have a, I have a, a nice mature eight point coming into my ladder stand. He started showing up earlier in December, of course, pretty soon following my last trip that I had out here at the beginning of December. It's been almost a month since I've been out here, but he, uh, he was coming in the evening time pretty regularly, and so that's why I kind of put my cards in that basket tonight in case he did, but for the past week or so we switched over to coming in the morning still daylight 
but pretty early in the morning. So my I wasn't super bummed out that I didn't see him tonight. Uh, it was kind of just a just-in-case hunt, if you will. But you did see deer. I did see some deer tonight. Not not a lot, but I saw some. Um, and, yeah, my, my hopes are for tomorrow morning that he does what he's been doing all week and shows up between 7.15 and 7.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. So. Should have said 7.27. 7.27. <laughs> Got him patterned. Yeah. I, I wish it was that specific for sure. But but we're... So out here, I know we've talked about Texas Dirt a lot on our podcast, and we're, we're getting back into releasing the videos and everything for the Season 2 series, so you guys can follow along with that um, on our YouTube channel and on Carbon TV. Um, but... One thing that we kind of wanted to sit down and do was not just a year in review looking back on this season. I know we've talked about this season many times on the podcast, but you and I spent some time earlier today before the evening hunt driving around to our different stand setups and also scouting out some new locations. Um, And we have some, we got plans for, for next year, just like we did last year coming into this year, wanting to add, you know, new setups and had certain places in mind. We're already starting to form those plans for, for next year. So that was another thing that we kind of wanted to, to talk about was some of our whitetail management strategies and tactics moving forward on this property. So, Well, I know, and I know we started, remember last year, if you were watching anything you know, on season one, viewers, you saw us hunt from one stand each. Yeah. And so, thankfully, we've added, I think we have five stands between us right now, mm-hmm. you and I, with bow and, bow and rifle. We have five stands, and then uh, we're looking at adding some. Um, we Just uh, to the east of, of the camp site, we, about 200 yards, we're going to put up another ladder stand. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where you and I were today. Yep. And um, we walked by there, and, and I was looking at another tree about uh, probably 40 yards away, and I walked to the base. I said, look how big this trunk is, Sam. And I looked up in the trunk and I said, oh, there's a raccoon up there. <laughs> and, and and so Sam comes walking around. He goes, Dad, that's not a raccoon. That's a coyote. <laughs> and it's about eight feet up in a tree, nestled down in there. And and then, it, but I don't think, we don't think it was a coyote. No, it, it, in hindsight, it was a fox. But it, it was very unexpected because I didn't see it until it climbed out of the tree and then took off running. And when it was started running, I was like, oh, it's a, it's a, looks like a dog. And now, so my initial reaction when we first saw it was, oh, that's a coyote. But no, it was probably just a little gray fox, but which would explain a little bit better it being in a tree, I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> but. Um, Wildy coyote. Yeah, so not something you would expect to see certainly in the middle of the day when not even not even a fox in a tree. No, I mean a raccoon would be surprising enough, but <laughs> a fox eight feet up in a tree. So <laughs> yeah. But anyway, there's a, there's a we're putting a new um, uh, bow stand there for 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 a ladder stand, which yeah. I think was a, we've seen deer, we've seen big deer uh, close to the camper, but we no way to hunt it. Yeah, multiple times this season we've either been coming back or leaving camp, whatever the case might be, and there's been, like, right down the road from camp. Uh, deer. Deer. Big does, big does up by our, up by camp, like, within 50 yards sometimes. So, um, and, and that led us to just kind of evaluate things and look and, you know, where our, where camp is and where the main road runs to the, to the north of camp and kind of the northwest of the main road. 
And there's probably close to 50 acres of just thick mesquite thickets that's not that we haven't touched that we haven't hunted this property is 807 acres that we have access to and that's 50 of it right there that we're not even doing anything with right now so um, you found the spot and like you said it was a couple hundred yards from camp walking distance from the camper you know an easy stroll in there one morning and I don't know. <clears throat> the deer are there, so next year we'll probably give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. But and then there's that one we're, we're talking about on the north property. We've had a really dry year uh, this year. Had back in the summer, back in June, July, it took almost almost two months of no rain mm -hmm. in the summer. When that's that's hard on Texas. Usually we have a rain here, rain there, and August is pretty usually pretty drought, but uh, stricken. But this was June into July. Right. And. Um, the thing we, th we started to think about is water source. And I remember, and I told you this today, I remember you and Drew talking on a podcast and Drew was asking about water sources or your hunting water sources. So you and I are looking in the north part of the property. Yeah, we have a, we have a water tank up there. Uh, we have three tanks on this property, but this one is probably the largest one that we have. Um, and it's, it's sandwiched in between two of our existing stands that we already have. I mean, you could almost just about draw a line, you know, just straight across and hit all three of these locations. But um, where it is, it it opens up, it, it's right next to the power line. It opens up into kind of the, I don't want to call it a field, but the, the very large clearing or whatever you want to call it where your stand last year was, mm -hmm. not, not this year. Um, but in between the water hole itself and that clearing, there's a pretty large berm. So if the stand is in the right spot, you could overlook all that area, and yet the deer would still have a uh, very much a sense of security coming into this water hole itself because mm -hmm. of that berm. They're not; they're still kind of tucked in the trees a little bit. They're not as exposed to that wide open space. So we were looking at that and kind of found a little funnel where we're seeing probably them coming out of the woods and to that water hole and everything so the downside of it is there's cattle on the property too and we know they use the water hole so it's kind of just a toss-up sometimes for for hunting if you're going to sit there and the cows will come in or not you know so that's probably something that we'll encounter next year you know when we start hunting it but we're going low budget on that setup for next year we've been doing uh on a couple spots this year just to make things work and to give us options we've we've done a couple of different stands um, where we've done bow rifle options basically we'll put a ground blind or or some coverage for a bow blind um, you know 20 30 yards off the feeder and then we'll go to an opposite side of that stand or of that feeder and back off 60 to 80 yards and put a rifle rail in the brush for you to be able to hunt them as well. So we have two stands currently that um, give us those options. So we're talking about, you know, long term, those stands we're wanting to, okay, let's upgrade the bow, the bow setup to an actual ground blind, let's upgrade the rifle setup to a tripod, you know, let's, those are the things that we're working toward and that you guys can expect to see us changing um, in year three, in 2023. But um, we'll probably just end up moving one of those existing rifle rails that we've put on one of those other spots. We'll replace it with an actual stand and move that rifle rail to this water hole. And I don't think, at least what we were talking about today, was probably not putting a food source or anything 
next to it just hunting it for what it is and the and and you and i are talking the reason to not put a food source there is because number one cows will be attracted to it since it's next to water so we're always dealing with cows and number two it it dilutes the two two feeders that we have already so gives them a third option which means we we have a 33 percent versus 50 percent chance of a deer showing up yeah for that specific area yeah so. so Yeah, it tactically it, it seems like just hunting it for what it is is going to be our better option. So, and probably wouldn't be a bad setup for more of an early season when I mean even in beginning of November, you know we still have some warm days that we encounter from time to time. So probably wouldn't be a bad a bad time to hunt it earlier yeah. in the year. You know? Yeah, and 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 there there's a huge huge pig on that on that. Uh, Rocky Top stand. Oh my word! He's cl- so yeah. He's close to the size of the one that I've I've killed already this year. So in episode, I think it's episode five of Texas Dirt, which should be coming out pretty soon. Um, you guys will get to actually see this hunt where I kill what I call Hogzilla because he was just <laughs> he's huge, a massive hog. And we've talked about it in a previous podcast here. Uh, I, I don't remember which episode at this point, but you know, within the past couple months, we've talked about it and. Just absolutely massive pig, the biggest pig I've ever shot with a bow, that's for sure. And this this hog, uh, Grant, I h- killed Hogzilla on the south end of the property. This hog is on the north end of the property. So as the crow flies, there's probably a mile or more in between the spots where these two pigs were. But where this big boy is, uh, he's just, he's creating so much damage. Like we pulled up to the stand today and from the truck you can look at it and you're like oh my word the hogs have been tearing this place up and for those of you who aren't from texas hogs are destructive hogs are nuisances that's why we love we love hog hunting down here so much not because we love eating wild hogs so much but because it it helps improve our property right just because they're they reproduce so fast and we they're destructive yeah and thankfully the state of texas allows us to do it year-round 24-7, 365, without tags or anything like that. So that's very helpful. But this, so we pull up the stand, and there's just, the ground's all tore up, and we're like, oh, the hogs. Someone plowed it. (laughs) Yeah, we're like, the hogs have been here. We go, and we pull the card on the camera because the antenna on the camera had broken, so it hadn't been sending me pictures to my phone. So we went and pulled the card on it, and it's one pig. One hog, yeah. Like, just... It looks like somebody went through with a garden tiller around the around the feeder, which if there were that many hogs eating or tearing up all that ground, rooting around, then we would see more hogs at the feeder over the course of a month. Right. There were over for, for one month solid, one pig, only one pig was coming <laughs> to that feeder. So one pig was doing all of that damage that we saw today. Mm-hmm. And to give you guys an idea. And I'll post a picture on our on our social media pages and stuff. You guys will be able to see it. And whatever episode of Texas Dirt, which will be toward the end of season two at this point, that we put this in, I'll be sure including that. But um, in the trail cam photo, we have fences around our feeders to keep the cows out. Our T posts are roughly I don't know four four and a half feet high, three strands of barbed wire, and that pig is about two thirds of the way up that four and a half foot T post. If that gives you any idea on how tall the top of this pig's back is, it's almost three foot. Right? Yeah, oh, probably over three foot. I would, yeah. I would put money on that. He, he's a big pig, and just looking at him, it's like 
Yeah, this this dude's probably a similar size to the one that I already killed earlier this we, year. He needs to so go. He does need to go. And I I had an encounter with him. I didn't really think of him being that like that destructive, I guess, at the time, but I hunted that stand a little over a month ago, month and a half ago maybe. And he came in and I was swapping my deer arrow with my pig arrow to try and get a shot at him and he caught me he caught me moving it as I was switching arrows. And it was just enough to tell him to probably be a good idea to leave. So he took off out of there. But, oh, he's a big sucker. A but big one thing sucker. we saw when, when you pulled that card on that camera was that's a good place for a stand. It is. It, it validated it for sure. Because ev- despite having that pig there, every single day, deer. Morning and evening, deer. So, and, we've, and we've not hardly hunted it. Yeah, we, we haven't hunted it very much. Now, granted, the first half of the year, we also had some problems actually getting it to throw corn. We were trying to troubleshoot some stuff and get the feeder box to actually work, and turns out the whole feeder box was bad. And after I swapped out feeder boxes and put a new one on there, then we were pretty well situated after that. But I think also with that antenna being broke on that camera and it being spotty and when it was sending me photos... It was like, it, it gave the illusion that, oh my, there's not a, the deer are just coming here every once in a while. And it wasn't until we actually pulled the card out of the camera, plugged it into a computer, and looked at all the pictures on there, that that was like, oh my word, there's there's deer here all the time. And, and that's a tip for you guys, too, if you run cell cams. Um, even if they're not sending you photos, they should still be functioning like a normal trail cam. So, worst case, you can still walk up to them with a laptop and plug it in and view all your photos even if it's not sending them to your phone so little tip for you there but so we'll be probably utilizing that stand a lot more and a lot better um in the coming season and then uh, tomorrow morning you I'm gonna hunt that tomorrow you're probably gonna hunt that tomorrow morning just in case that pig's mostly been showing up in the, you know middle of the night but i don't know maybe he'll slip up in the morning we'll see he had one one showing at six forty-six in the morning so yeah. maybe that's Maybe I'll get a shot at him. Yeah. But that validates, again, where that stand is. And I know I had some frustrations where my stand was, um, which is kind of the farthest northeast on the property. Right. And I've got to walk to get to it. So they see me walking if, if, if they're watching. And there's no way to get to it without being seen. But um, I've killed, I harvested most of my deer out of that stand. So I'm going to keep it where it is and probably hunt the same spot next year yeah i think it's a good spot i think that's a good spot i think rocky top's good both of my archery setups will i i I think at this point all five that we have set up are probably locations that we're going to keep moving forward we might change the actual stand themselves as far as the form at which we're sitting there you know a rifle rail a ground blind a tripod box blind whatever we come up with for next year um, that might change, but as far as the physical locations, we're probably not adjusting anything from there. We want to add that water hole. There's another spot down close to my, my bow blind that I've had from the very start. Um, just another road that kind of splits off farther to the west and into some mesquites that, again, it's kind of one of those deals where to give you another option to cover another area. If you build it, they'll come, throw something up there, and give you give you something else to work with so and there's a spot that uh you and i are talking about earlier saying that um it's just as you come on the property it's to the uh to the south it's several hundred yards four or five hundred yards off there but um 
talking about putting a food plot, we'll look at that tomorrow. Yeah. You know, maybe it's close to a water source in case we had to water with a pump, you know, out of a lake or, a, you know, some kind of um, tank or something. We, we yeah. can get some water on it. And, and also it's wide open so we don't have to do a lot of um, bush hogging and, you know, getting trying to get the land tilled up and so forth. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, we'll try to hopefully incorporate food plots into into some of our setups next year. Um, I know that's a big a big hurdle for us just with the equipment that we have access to, and then um, obviously this year it didn't happen just because of as we've mentioned before in previous episodes the drought that we experienced down here, and we didn't really feel like it was worth our time or money to put try to put something in the ground when it was going to be as dry and as hot as it was so uh, which i think was the right call our antler growth suffered a little bit from it but well but we're going to feed year round this year that's another thing we are going to feed year round so i'll talk about that real quick because um i I, i've touched on it here and there in the texas dirt series but as far as how we feed um down here I try normally March, April-ish, end of February, somewhere in there, right when the weather starts warming up a little bit, and is normally when I switch my feeders over to um, a once-a-day feeding, normally in the morning time, uh, just to give the deer that constant, to give them something to keep them coming back to and to develop those patterns and those habits and everything. Um, as far as what we're going to feed at that point, I'd like to start working in some sort of I, I, I still got to do my own research on it and figure out, and I'm sure we'll talk about it when the time comes later on down the road, but try to work in some sort of protein blend or something um, around that time. But from that point, we'll be feeding through the summer with the once a day, and then normally about what we're trying to do out here on this property, we're trying to do one work day, quote unquote, a month, you know, moving through the summer and into next season. That's what we did try to do this past year we'll try to do that again this next year so in doing so um whatever two three weeks four weeks whatever it falls before bow season starts is when i'll probably turn all of our um bow hunting setups to the two-a-day feedings that we're doing right now and normally i try to do um, as far as the timing i try to do my first one relatively close to first light um, but not so close that I have deer in there that I can't tell what they are, if that makes sense. So I want it to get light enough that I can see, but I also don't want it to like the sun to come up and it start warming up and then <laughs> throw corn and they're already starting to bed down for the morning, you right. know? So, right. and then for the evening time, normally about an hour before, uh, sundown is when I try to throw for my evening, evening feeding hour to an hour and a half. Um, so we'll incorporate those things into about a month before bow season incorporate that that evening feeding and then around that same time when i start bow hunting out here is normally when we switch those rifle setups over to the same thing so we try to do it about a month out um to open the season opener into switching our our feeds over to the twice a day so and that also saves us money in the summertime too for you know we're not going through feed twice as fast when it's not seasoned so mm-hmm. but again they have other things to eat in the woods and, and stuff like that during the summertime also so. and that and that's probably been some of what we've had difficulty because they're, they're not patterned um, they're used to eating the browse we had two substantial rains uh, during the summer you know a couple inches each time and out here we got quite a bit even with west texas and um, I think they browse, and that you know kind of threw them off, and they're they're showing up the feeders 
sporadically so it's not patterned that's, that makes it hard too it does i i did <clears throat> notice a difference though from last year to this year in the consistency at least that we had certain deer showing up at least from the trail cam standpoint um especially later on the year i think once we got rocky top and then your stand with the blown fuse and everything figured out and diagnosed i feel like then things got really a lot more consistent from that point but um you know last year we talked about it how they this property had never been hunted before so they us throwing up feeders and starting to feed in beginning of september of 2021 and into deer season it the deer have lived their whole lives out here without these food sources or going to neighboring properties who do have feeders so our feeders were not their focus or were not part of that routine it was becoming more of their routine but they they were still adjusting to it even when we got into season just and part of that too is just how late we got into it last year but this year we're seeing a lot more patterns at least from my standpoint in analyzing the trail cam photos like some of times they're nocturnal patterns but they're still patterns down at my bow stands for example i've had the same spike buck coming in every single morning to one of two stands almost every single day for three months <laughs> every morning i've passed on him before he's not a deer i'm going to shoot but from october all the way until now he is still showing up almost every morning at either one stand or the other if not both every morning so mm-hmm. it, it's stuff like that and then there's groups of does that are doing things similar i know that group of seven uh does out your stand they're fairly consistent in coming by your place regularly right right. and then um even now the buck that i'm hunting tomorrow you know i'm hunting him off of a pattern Mm -hmm. he's he's coming in almost every single morning for the past week between 7 15 and 7 30 before that he was coming in almost every evening after 5 15 so we're, we're seeing more patterns and it is becoming easier to start to pattern deer and i i have the hopes that now that we're getting our feet under us a little bit out here that going into year number three granted you never know we all know how it goes you say oh yeah that deer's coming in every single morning i'm going to kill him tomorrow morning and that's the morning <laughs> he doesn't show up yeah. you know i mean that we all know how that happens but we're we're getting our feet under us we're feeling more comfortable and i feel like our patterns are going to continue to become more and more consistent mm-hmm. and we're going to be able to read these deer a lot better going into year three mm-hmm. so i think you're right yes but, so that's about all i got but we're uh we're pushing forward again end of the 2022 season end of the 2022 year as we're recording it right now but um hopefully we can finish strong and go home with a tag punch tomorrow Mm -hmm. so hoping that that's our our end goal but guys i want to thank y'all for listening another fall obsession podcast if you guys have not already Whatever platform you are listening on, hit that follow and subscribe button. We're on all major podcast uh, streaming platforms out there. Our episodes are also published on YouTube. And we are streaming on Carbon TV and Waypoint TV. So be sure that you check us out on those platforms as well. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. We post multiple new videos every single week, including our podcast videos, which I hate mentioning on this one because I'm not doing a podcast video on uh, this episode in particular so sorry uh, you're not going to find a a video for 135 
But um, Drew and I will, one of us will be back next week and back on that regular train with our normal recording schedule um, and the podcast video starting next week. The, the Christmas holiday kind of put us a little, we took the Christmas week off and, you know, now we're recording deer camp because now I'm hunting and <laughs> I don't know, it feels like all of hunting season just been a scramble to get podcast episodes out, but neither here nor there. Go subscribe, YouTube, all of the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, go wild. Go uh, like and follow Fall Obsession on all of those. Um, fallobsession.com, that's our website. That's the hub. You guys can head on over there to find all of our content, uh, videos, educational articles, and, uh, and media series, uh, wild game recipes, gear reviews. It's all on there. Go on there and explore around as well as our uh, hunting and outdoor apparel. Go check some of that out. We got some new designs that are fixing to come and including our, uh, the new hat that we just rolled out our, our leather patch hat that's on there right now. It's pretty sweet. So go check that one out. Um, last but not least, Ridge Rock Hunt Company. They are the podcast partner, Derek and Lacey over there in Mississippi. They do a great job. Um, booking hunts with vetted outfitters across the country so if you have a hunt that you've been thinking about wanting to go on for a while give Derek a call he can talk to you about options pricing time frame licensing all that kind of stuff and get you squared away for that next adventure that you're wanting to take so Ridge Rock Hunt Company go check them out on their website and social media dad thanks for sitting down thank you son been fun look yeah. forward to next year I know sad that the season's coming to an end Hard to believe. (laughs) (laughs) It is. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening. We're back again next week for another podcast episode. We'll catch you then.